Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, the American Greatness Pack has announced the first in a series of forums that Chairman Jim Renacci says is aimed at reviving the MAGA movement and uniting conservatives. That's a tall order in an increasingly splintered Republican Party. We'll discuss. Also this morning, why STEM education is so important in today's educational paradigm, even for students who ultimately won't pursue careers in STEM-related fields. And we have tech tools that can take some of the workload off of small business owners and operators. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Tuesday, August 16th, 2022. You need a reason to celebrate today. It is True Love Forever Day. Aw, isn't that sweet? True Love Forever Day. <laughs> Gag me. No, I'm just kidding. True Love Forever Day. That's very sweet. Uh, how would you how would you observe that? Probably, uh, I would think the uh, easiest way, the best way to celebrate True Love Forever Day is to just plop yourself down on the couch and uh, turn on the Hallmark Channel. <laughs> just leave it there all day today. National Roller Coaster Day. The Vertical Loop Roller Coaster was patented on this day in 1898 by Edwin Prescott. I don't know that the Vertical Loop Roller Coaster patented in 1898. I mean, given the technology of the day, I don't think I would have been willing to ride a looping roller coaster built in 1898. I'm wondering if there was anybody at the patent office at the time who said, you know, this might not be able to find you can have the patent, but this might not be entirely safe. Uh, National Bratwurst Day, National Rum Day, National Tell a Joke Day, and it is National Airborne Day. So reasons to celebrate today, observances, etc. So uh, here's apparently the latest uh, disaster in the making that we have to be worried about. Um, Apparently, there is a shortage of tomato products looming. It says here droughts in California might mean a shortage of tomato products on the shelf and higher prices for those that are available. The cost of tomato sauce has increased 17% since last year. Ketchup is up 23%. And tomato paste is as much as 80% more expensive than it was this time last year. There are simply not enough acres of processing tomatoes being planted this year to ensure that everyone gets their full supply. This according to R. Greg Pruitt of the Ingomar Packing Company. The water is either too expensive or just not available at any cost. It's not been raining. uh, And the cost of irrigation is prohibitive or it's not even available. And it's uh, affecting tomato crops in California. So that is the latest thing we have to be worried about. Tomato shortage. All right, then. Uh, Let's see. What do we what do we do? I do about pizzas Friday night going out for a pizza Friday night after the game may not be able to do that. That would be a disaster. Uh, this is kind of interesting. Speaking of food, I did see this. Uh, this is a report out of uh, I think this was in 
It was in the mirror. It was on the uh, website of one of those British newspapers. I thought it was kind of interesting, though. And obviously, it doesn't just apply to Great Britain. I mean, this is an international story. What are some ways to make your food last longer? And talk about all of these food shortages. And, of course, their foods across the board are much more expensive now than they were. And so you certainly don't want to waste any of them. We have a problem with wasting too much food anyway. But especially as it becomes more expensive, you certainly don't want to waste it. So what are some ways to make your food last longer? Some really interesting uh, stuff here. And again, I think this is the uh, the Daily Mail's uh, website, the uh, British newspaper, the Daily Mail. You can look this up. I should have sourced this, and I apologize. But uh, I wanted to bring it up because some of these things are things that you might not have thought about. In the, apples, for example, may last up to 77 days longer if they are refrigerated. Who knew? Um, you place mushrooms in paper bags before putting them in the fridge to prevent sliminess. Make them last longer. Peaches, plums, cherries, and cucumbers actually do better outside of the fridge. Um, many people aren't aware that simply storing your food differently can vastly extend its shelf life. This is according to... I guess, uh, dietitian or nutritionist, Rena Suraz, who's quoted in the story. Obviously, if you can make your, uh, if you can send the, extend the shelf life of the foods that you buy, that saves you money uh, in the process. Eggs will last longer in the freezer, but you don't want to just put the eggs in the freezer. That'll make them explode. You need to crack them and beat the eggs first, but then you can store them. Uh, in the freezer, I, that, that's probably not a uh, a big surprise. I mean, we buy the you know the frozen egg uh, mixture. You can buy frozen egg stuff like GFS and things like that. So, freezing eggs is probably not a uh, a big shocker there. But there were some other uh, really interesting. If you uh, want to look that up uh, again, I believe it's in uh, Britain's Daily Mail. So you can uh, do a Google search on that, and they're really interesting. Uh, cucumbers, uh, putting those not, and a lot of people put those in the crisper, in the refrigerator. They said, don't do that. Actually extends the shelf life to keep them out, and it's not going to hurt anything. So kind of interesting there. Um, speaking of foods, and we were we were talking about uh, breakfast yesterday uh, being the most important meal of the day, and we were talking about Snoop Loops, <laughs> Snoop Dogg's new cereal. <laughs> Well, forget about Snoop Loops. Uh, just some good old-fashioned Cheerios could be the best breakfast out there. Uh, according to a new study from researchers in Boston, they looked at how various foods were linked to chronic disease, and they gave foods, breakfast foods a ranking between 0 and 100, healthier foods with higher scores. Cheerios came in at a 95, 95 out of 100. Um, compare that to an egg omelet, which was just a score of 51. So Cheerios are almost twice as healthy, uh, based on the rankings, as a, as an omelet. Uh, in fact, uh, the professor in charge of the study, Jeffrey Bloomberg, says cereals are not inherently bad. If they have a high whole grain content, then they will be a good score and if they don't have added sugar, they won't lose any points on that score. No. Raspberries and vegetable curry both had 
perfect scores of 100. Those are the healthiest foods out there. Raspberries and vegetable curry. <laughs> so, so I guess it wasn't just breakfast foods they looked at, but because um, I don't know anybody who's had vegetable curry for breakfast. By the way, in case you're curious, a McDonald's cheeseburger scored an eight. <laughs> That's it. Just an eight. So kind of interesting. Uh, this is uh, an item that caught my eye because we were just talking about this uh, the other day on the program. You remember we said the uh, mystery of the Loch Ness Monster may have been solved. Researchers uh, who have tested the DNA from all parts of the loch there in Scotland uh, uh, believe that it's uh, giant eels that people are spotting in the in the loch. Well, not so fast. The plesiosaur, an aquatic dinosaur once thought to exclusively reside in salt water, is now believed to have spent much of its time in fresh water. According to a new study, which is likely to fuel believers of the Loch Ness Monster in their pursuit of proving that the legend is real. Some claim that Nessie was a descendant of the plesiosaur. And uh, this uh, new study led by paleontologist Nick Longrich says, as a scientist, he says, I can never say anything is impossible. Uh, All hypotheses are on the table at some level until they're proven false. He said a team of paleontologists from the University of Bath, the University of Portsmouth in the U.K., And uh, University Hassan in Morocco discovered a lot of different plesiosaur fossils within a 100 million year old river system that is now part of the Sahara Desert. And it was freshwater. And uh, previously, they believed that the plesiosaur spent all of its time in salt water. So that would, if it did indeed live in freshwater bodies of water, then that would uh, make it possible that the Loch Ness Monster is indeed a descendant. Make of that what you will. If you didn't like the eels story, then maybe you'll be happy with that one. So, what is that? And, uh, let's see. (laughs) I saw this story this morning. Among the first things you need to know, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. Saw this story on the Newswire. And, um... It just kind of left me shaking my head. Three men are now world record holders after they visited all 50 states in five days, 13 hours and 10 minutes. How do you do that? You say Uh, all 50 states in five days, 13 hours and 10 minutes. Peter McConville, Pasha Krechatov and uh, Abdullahi Salah. And I apologize if I mess those names up. Uh, Three friends, Mr. McConville and Mr. Krechatov, are from Austin, Texas. Mr. Salah is from Minneapolis. So they met up in Vermont, hopped into a car, and started their trip. And they hit all 50 states, wrapping up the record-breaking tour with flights to Alaska and Hawaii. Five days, 13 hours and 10 minutes, breaking the previous record of five days, 16 hours and 20 minutes. I saw that story and I thought, wow. And I have a hard time getting out of bed and rolling in here to the studio every day. That's. (laughs) 
I mean, they're going to all 50 states in five days. I'm lucky if I can just make it in here to the studio in the morning. I uh, no. Clearly, the three of them were trading off driving and, you know, like driving around the clock and counting every state they drove through as visiting that state. Uh, but that's that's pretty impressive. 50 states in a little over five days. Uh, and speaking of travel, I saw this story and I thought, shame, shame, shame. The folks at the Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport should be ashamed of themselves. The Metropolitan Airports Commission voted yesterday to award a three-year contract exclusively to DG Express Professional Shoeshine, pushing out Royal Zeno Shoeshine after 60 years in business at the airport. Royal Zeno is the name of a, of a, of a person. It's not a, a company. Royal Zeno started his business, his shoeshine business, at the airport in 1962. And today, the business is being carried on by his daughter following his death in 2008. But now, officials of the airport are forcing Royal Zeno out. They say the decision was based on a declining need for service at the airport and DG Express's customer service record. Royal Zeno's shoeshine airport locations will close at the end of September after more than 60 years. We'll close at the end of uh, September. 11 employees will be put out of business or be put out of work. But more importantly, this 60-year business at the airport, uh, this one guy started back in 1962. He's going to be forced out. Shame, shame, shame on the folks of the Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport. That's just terrible. I don't think that's horrible. That's horrible. 60 years. This guy in his shoeshine business that his daughter is now carrying out. And they just toss it aside. It's awful. Anyway, there you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Tuesday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Partly to mostly sunny skies are expected today with a high of 78. Just a few clouds tonight, a low of 60. Every police officer with the Finley Police Department went through active shooter training at the high school over the last few weeks. Lieutenant Welch says the training went well and that all officers know exactly what's required of them in the event of a school shooting. In the event that we received that call, all officers would respond immediately to the school. Upon getting there, there's no time for them to wait. They immediately grab whatever weapon they have available to them and enter the school. We train our guys to run towards the stimulus, whether it's yelling or shooting, and basically go in there and try to interject, be that space between the assailant and the students to hopefully get in there and make a difference as quickly as possible. At the recent Board of Education meeting, the board voted to install an immediate active shooter notification system called Safe Defend in their schools. Learn more about that and get more of our conversation with the lieutenant on the website. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine made his first public comments about Ricky Schiffer, the man who tried to break into the FBI field office in Cincinnati and was later shot and killed by police after a standoff. Whether it's local law enforcement or federal law enforcement, the FBI, DEA, this is something that is very scary. And so we certainly denounce that type of activity. Schiffer had reportedly been on the FBI's radar for months. 
More money is available for Ohio's law enforcement agencies. The governor's office announcing that grant funding for law enforcement agencies across Ohio is being increased from $58 million to $100 million. The funding comes from the American Rescue Plan Act. The governor says the expansion of the Ohio Violent Crime Reduction Grant Program will help the state support agencies in their fight to solve and prevent violence. University of Finley students returning to campus for the new academic year will notice upgrades to dining facilities and new food delivery robots. UF says Henderson Dining Hall underwent a much-needed renovation. And along with Henderson's new look, UF says another exciting addition to the university is the food delivery robots that you may have already seen making their way around campus. Remember, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Well, when we last heard from Jim Renacci, he was running to unseat Governor DeWine in the Ohio gubernatorial primary. After falling short in that effort, he has become chairman of the American Greatness Pack, which next month will host the first in what is a planned series of forums aiming to, in their words, unite conservatives and revive the MAGA movement. Jim Renacci joins us once again uh, this morning on the program. And Jim, I was struck by the wording of that. In, in what way do you see the need to revive the MAGA movement? Because from where I sit, it seems that that movement is uh, still alive and well. Well, and uh, don't get me wrong, we do believe the MAGA movement it continues to be alive and well. But remember, we're talking about uniting the MAGA movement. What's happened in the past is that we lose, in many cases, of moving the ball forward with the MAGA movement because conservatives separate, don't come together, uh, don't work together, and, you know, the, the perfect becomes the enemy of the good. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of cases, we just, need to talk, we just need to talk about that. And that's the part of these forums that will be important, asking the right questions and seeing what uh, can be done to really bring people together. So, and it's interesting, you talk about the, the fact that that is kind of where the, the left sort of has an advantage, uh, certainly heading into the midterms and uh, looking further forward into 2024. On the idea of uniting conservatives, you have said that those on the right are united on message, but not on method. And that's what American greatness aims to change. And from that, do I take it that you are looking to appeal particularly to those who have said over the past several years something to the effect of, I support Donald Trump's policies, I just don't like Donald Trump. Is that kind of a fair assessment of where you are? Now, it's more, uh, think of it from this way. I mean, there was a majority of Ohioans that did not support, for example, Governor DeWine in the primary. Mm-hmm. Um, but the majority did not win in that case, and Governor DeWine won with less than a majority. Now, uh, and by the way, the same thing goes over to the Senate race. Uh, you had a um, majority of uh, Senate voters, people that voted in the primary that did not support um, uh, J.D. Vance. In fact, uh, he received 32%, which means 68% right. did not support J.D. Vance. I think in the end, what we really need to do is look at how do conservatives come together on candidates? A lot of times it's just information. A lot of times it's misinformation. I mean, the best question or example is, you know, um, uh, you know, who is a rhino? 
I mean, those will be the kind of things that are discussed. Who is a conservative? Mm -hmm. um, too often, that definition gets twisted and becomes a different answer. Uh, I, I always chuckle. The best question I ever asked when I was running uh, the campaign was, um, would you support, uh, even though many people in the conservative movement says we don't want to support elected officials ever, but if you ask the question, do you support Governor DeSantis, would you love to have Governor DeSantis as your Ohio governor? I would get almost 100% putting up hands, screaming, yes, yes, yes. And then I'd say, well, do you realize how long he's been an, uh, an elected official? And in most cases, they didn't realize uh, how many years he was an elected official. He served in Congress with Jim Renacci. Um, same for Christy Nome. So what we have to do is we have to just start talking about these issues. And I think it's important to have these forums around the state. So tell us uh, uh, more about these forums, first of which is uh, September 15th, so it's about a month from now, in Medina. What do people need to know about this event? Tell us uh, uh, about this. Well, look, uh, we're going to do a number of things. We're going to have a vendor village, so we're going to allow people to come in and talk about uh, their conservative issues or their conservative platforms, other organizations. We're going to have a forum uh, that begins at 7 o'clock. We're going to ask I'm going to be the moderator. We're going to ask pointed questions. I mean, we're going to, uh, hopefully I can ask questions that makes everybody uncomfortable because those are the type of questions we need. Like, you know, why do conservatives lose? And, you know, what is a rhino? And then we're going to open it up to the audience and take some questions. So we have a number of conservatives that are going to attend the first event, September 15th. We've got you know, some radio personalities. We've got a former U.S. Senate candidate. We've got Ohio gun owners, a couple state reps, a member from the Buckeye Institute, but also some very conservative organizations like Committee for a Better Ohio, Protect Our Children, the Ohio Christians Coalition, and, and we have a member of the State Central Committee. So there will be a lot of people up on that stage that represent conservative values and principles, mm -hmm. but that also we're not a hundred, we're not always not a hundred percent aligned. And how do we uh, talk about uh, uh, coming together when it comes to conservative policies and principles? And again, I, I think that's a really interesting uh, topic uh, because you know we throw out the uh, acronyms, the the buzzwords like Rhino and MAGA, and you know all of these things. Is the Republican Party, is it still a big tent party? Is there, are there room, is there room in that tent for, for moderates and those who, again, like I said, and I, you know, uh, individuals like this as well as I do, as well as everybody does who say, you know, again, just circling back to the Donald Trump question, I, I like the policies, I'm not sure that I like the person, um, yeah, I, I think here's a good uh, good example. Um, and again, because I really want to get a sense of where you are and where American greatness is on this. Uh, Liz Cheney is about to lose and lose big in her reelection primary, and it's not because of her positions on the issues. I mean, she was always in Congress a reliable vote on Donald Trump's policies, but she took a stand against Donald Trump's character. She got primaried for it. So I look at this and I wonder: Can these two extremes? Those who say that she's exactly what the party needs and those who say she's the party's biggest traitor, can, can they coexist somehow? Well, I think they can. And look, I would agree with you. Liz Cheney is, probably has as much of a conservative record as anyone else. But mm -hmm. she violated a, a, a pretty significant principle, which is you don't vote to impeach um, the president. Uh, now, 
how do how do we pull those together? There are people out there who are anti-Trump but pro-Trump policies. Yeah, and and uh, and and she would be one of those. She would absolutely be one of those that she was pro-Trump policies. Yeah. Um, uh, I th- I think what we need to do, and in many cases, the American Greatness Fund is really about bringing all those people together um, who really like the policies. And, and here's how I'll say it best. Donald Trump will not be here forever. Um, you know, in politics, uh, you know, maybe he'll run in 2024. Maybe he won't. Uh, maybe he'll be elected. Um, those are all good things. But the MAGA movement is going to continue way past Donald Trump. And I think what we need to do with the American Greatness Fund is about uniting people under that principle of making America great again and the principles of Donald Trump. Even if you don't like Donald Trump, yeah. and as I travel the state now, I hear people who don't like Donald Trump, but they still love and still continue to love his principles and policies, and, and that's where the party needs to be. And those, and those, going. and those are the individuals you are going to need uh, moving forward as well in order to uh, win elections and continue to to move forward. As we mentioned, this is the first in a series of forums, and American Greatness is a national organization. So I'm assuming these are not just being held in Ohio, but other key states as well. Are you looking at particularly states where Republicans seem to be struggling ahead of the midterms? I mean, you mentioned J.D. Vance here in Ohio. That Senate race seems to be closer than it probably should be. If you look at some of the polling, there are similar dynamics in races in Pennsylvania, Arizona, Georgia, and elsewhere. How concerning is it that these races are even competitive in a midterm uh, scenario where the president's approval rating is in the 30s? I mean, doesn't that really kind of speak to exactly what you're talking about here? Well, absolutely. And if you think about it, there are people who will not vote for J.D. Vance just because he was endorsed by Donald Trump, even though J.D. Vance would be the better Senate candidate with many of the MAGA principles. So how do we make sure people evaluate the MAGA principles? Although I will tell you, Tim Ryan's trying to become a MAGA candidate, too, which is interesting. You even have a Democrat kind of coming across and trying to yeah. show that he wants uh, those same principles. So uh, Ohio is a great example of of why a race is so close. Because the question is, who is a who who really is a better um, uh, you know JD Vance? If you go back six years ago, was anti MAGA, mm-hmm. and and now you've got uh, you've got Tim Ryan who's who's trying to become the MAGA candidate, and you've got JD Vance who's trying to become the MAGA candidate. We're trying to unify people exactly under that analysis. If you like the policies and principles of Donald Trump, even if you don't like Donald Trump, mm-hmm. you should support the candidates who are going to support those policies. Again, uh, Jim Renacci is uh, chairman of the American Greatness Pack, and uh, there is more information about these uh, these forums. Again, like we said, the first of which is coming up next month in Medina uh, at your website, right? Absolutely. People, uh, people can go to our website. It's americangreatness.com. And yes, the states that we're going to be looking at are all the battleground states. Um, but we want to start this in Ohio uh, so that we can make sure that we have policies and principles as to what 
people are supportive of. Uh, I think if we can do that, we can make America great again across the entire country, not only the state of Ohio. Jim Renacy, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me and have a great day. So again, as we are counting down to back to school and we're talking about all of these things, getting ready to, to send the kids back into the classroom, a reminder that uh, science, technology, engineering, and math STEM education is an area of increasing importance for students uh, and that competency in these areas a very strong indicator of future career success given where our economy is headed these days. And joining us this morning is Philip Cook. He is known to his legions of fans on TikTok as Chem Teacher Phil, a uh, more than two decades of experience teaching chemistry, physics, and engineering in his native uh, Indiana. And uh, Phil, thanks for uh, taking the time. First of all, talk a little bit about why this is so important uh, for kids today, for those that maybe don't already get it. Well, first, let's start out by just making sure everyone understands that as STEM, when they hear STEM, that really means science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. And the reason why it's so important is because if you look at where jobs are moving, how, how new jobs are emerging, all these emerging jobs are all in STEM-related fields, or the vast majority of them are in STEM-related fields. Yeah. So what that means is, when we have, if we have a younger kid just starting school now, we need to get them exposed to STEM activities that start to get them developing problem-solving skills, working together as a team, thinking critically, because those are the skills that they're going to need later on to be successful in their, in their field of choice. And, and honestly, even if they don't end up going into a STEM field, having problem-solving and critical thinking skills right. is a necessary requirement for, for being good at any job. And it's worth pointing out that is, these aren't just the career opportunities and the jobs that will be coming down the pike. Many of them are already here. And even those that maybe today are not as STEM-centric, if you will, will become more so in the next generation. Absolutely, that's true. Uh, so we need to do what we can to kind of expose them to these types of opportunities, get them thinking and working together to, uh, yeah, you know, learn and and. and Em- choose their career and, and embrace uh, and embrace all of this uh so uh with that in mind you have uh, a new tool that we want to add to our kids maybe back to school list that can actually help with stem learning explain so they're called pilot friction pens and they're just they're a great normal writing pen but they're completely erasable and they might not sound like something like okay it's an erasable pen but the ink here is what makes it different and what sets it apart. They use a thermosensitive erasable ink to make their ink pens erasable. So basically you use heat to erase the ink. Hmm. So not only can you have an erasable ink pen, which is always useful in the classroom or wherever, yeah. but you also have a pen that you can use for all kinds of experiments and look at how heat changes things. So now where it was, might be hard to see, for example, a convection current, a hot heated column of air, now we can have students color on a page with these, with pilot friction pens, and they can watch the ink disappear, and they know that's where the hot air went. Just one example of, uh, of how this is. And you also uh, have information, and this is kind of cool. Uh, it is the uh, Friction for Good Challenge. Tell us about this and how folks can participate. 
so Pilot, the manufacturers of friction pens, has has set a goal of of doing whatever they can to help keep STEM accessible to all. And so the Friction for Good Challenge is really the impetus of that. And there's a couple of ways that you can participate. One is by going to national retailers like Walmart, Target, and Amazon and purchasing 10 packs or 16 packs of the Friction Color Stick pens. Out of those purchases, 25% of the profits will be donated by Pilot to Girls Who Code. The second way that you can participate in the Friction for Good Challenge is by creating content that shows how you use the, the thermosensitive ink in Friction Pens. Post it onto your Instagram feed or TikTok and add the hashtag Friction for Good, F-R-I-X-I-O-N for good. And for every one of those posts with that hashtag, Pilot is going to donate $5 to Girls Who Code, up to $60,000. So two ways that you can have a, a, simple, a simple choice on your, on your part to have a big impact in STEM accessibility. That is really cool. Uh, and, and speaking of social media, as we mentioned, uh, you are on TikTok yourself as uh, Chem Teacher Phil. Talk a little bit about uh, what your uh, TikTok is, uh, is about, what that platform is about for you and, and what you're trying to achieve with your videos on uh, TikTok. My videos have always had kind of a, a dual-pronged purpose. I always want the content to teach somebody, to, pe- to teach people something. One big takeaway is really what I shoot for with every video. One science fact that they didn't know before that they know now. And the second bit is always, I want them to be more curious about how the world works around them. And that, for me, actually encompasses a lot of the STEM attributes that I'm trying to develop within the students in my classroom, and also with the lesson plans that we've developed in partnership with STEM.org that are available through Pilot's FrictionSTEM.com website. Uh, There's no reason why people shouldn't have access to easy-to-do activities that you can do in the classroom or at home that help them take seemingly ordinary objects like an erasable ink pen and learn more and expand their scientific knowledge. And that's kind of, that's kind of a, a yeah. focus of mine on my content that I make on TikTok, uh, but it's also something that Pilot has front and center in their STEM initiatives. It is really cool stuff, and again, uh, something to uh, think about as we prepare to send the kids back to school once again for a new school year. Uh, Phil Cook, Chem Teacher Phil on TikTok. Where do we get uh, more information? So if you want to learn more about the free lesson plans or about the Friction for Good Challenge, which is running now through November 8th, just check out frictionstem.com, F-R-I-X-I-O-N, stem.com. You can download those lesson plans, watch some videos about how the experiments are done, and you can learn all about the Friction for Good Challenge. Phil, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Chris. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. Now, this takes guts. This takes guts. Uh, Newton, Massachusetts, which is where where Fig Newtons get their name. But that's beside the point. Newton, Massachusetts, suburb of Boston. A city employee has allegedly shut down the official website of the police department in a pay dispute. (laughs) <laughs> the, the employee reportedly controls access to the site that's part of uh, his job and he has refused to turn control back over to the city because he feels he is owed $137,000 in back pay. <laughs> so he's he's holding the police department website hostage. 
<laughs> or this back pay dispute. That takes guts right there. Uh, as the dispute continues, the Newton police have created a new department website, but the original one remains <laughs> offline. Wow, that's not messing around there. Uh, let's see. A couple of other uh, interesting stories here. The odd and unusual side of the news. He he may be a respectable husband and father now, but a decade ago, Prince Harry got in got a little wild while visiting Las Vegas. And now the owner of a strip club there wants the underwear that he that Prince Harry wore that night. <laughs> uh the the guy's name is Dino, and I, I don't know his, uh, his last name, or maybe that is his last name. I don't know his first name. Anyway, Dino owns a strip club in San Diego and has offered $250,000 for Prince Harry's undies. Uh, and apparently these are, uh, these are up for auction. And the bidding is not over. Uh, online bidding for the undergarment will remain open until September 30th or until bids reach $1 million, whichever happens first. <laughs> Dino, the San Diego strip club owner, has offered a quarter million dollars. Part of the proceeds of the auction will go to Archwell, a nonprofit started by Prince Harry himself. <laughs> sure, I'm sure that he's thrilled with the idea. I seem to remember that story of Prince Harry uh, getting wild in in Las Vegas, but I had no idea his underwear would be. Such a sought-after collectible. <laughs> All righty then, moving on. You know how there's been such a, a controversy in the game of golf with this new Saudi Arabian Golf League challenging the PGA Tour and all of that, and some of the uh, golfers have been jumping ship and you know uh, going to this new tour and all of that. A lot of controversy uh, surrounding this. Here is another uh, golf uh, story. It has nothing to do with that. But uh, the game just got a little more difficult at a couple of courses in southern France. Environmental activists plugged the holes with cement. (laughs) Snuck onto the course, onto the greens, and plugged the holes with cement. A group known as Extinction Rebellion claimed responsibility, saying it makes no sense that golf courses get an exemption from uh, watering restrictions amid a severe drought in that nation. The activists say the exemption shows that economic madness takes precedent over ecological reason. And they further denounce golf as a leisure industry for the most privileged. They poured cement in the golf court, uh, in the in the golf holes on the on the course. Wow. Mm. It's been a rough year for golf. <laughs> um, sheriff's deputies in Washington County, Oregon, were involved in an interesting pursuit on Sunday as they attempted to arrest a man in an excavator. <laughs> Jesse B. Shaw had three warrants out for his arrest. He was wanted uh, among them. He was wanted for Grand Theft Auto. Uh, but this time it wasn't a car that he stole. It was an excavator. Video shared on Twitter by authorities show officers on foot as they follow Mr. Shaw driving the heavy machinery. Eventually they catch up to him at a, a property north of Banks. 
uh, Oregon, driving an excavator and ignoring commands to surrender. Uh, Mr. Shaw drove the excavator for over a half mile with deputies following on foot until he st- <laughs> until he stopped. Not exactly a high-speed pr- pursuit. <laughs> that must have been quite a sight. He's driving the excavator and the deputies are running behind on foot. Um, eventually, Mr. Shaw was arrested for attempting to elude police. Uh, st- stolen. I guess they could charge him with uh, stealing the the excavator uh grand theft excavator and then of course the three warrants that he was already wanted on clackamas county delivery of meth columbia county eluding and a state parole board violation (laughs) this guy's a real winner (laughs) all of this and a state parole board violation on top of that any one of those things will violate your parole and he had to do them all uh speaking of vehicles something of a completely different uh nature a south carolina man attempting to break his own record by taking his custom-built golf cart over 150 miles an hour 150 miles an hour in a golf cart robbie steen who previously set the guinness world record for fastest golf cart at over 118 miles an hour back in 2014, says he will attempt the record again tomorrow. He has got the recognition already, but his need for speed remains, and he expects to shatter the previous record this time around. Mr. Steen's latest speedy cart is six years in the making with the help of his twin sons, and his family business, Plum Quick Motors, has been building custom golf carts for 46 years. (laughs) Uh, apparently, this whole thing will be live stream on the internet, and uh, so you can check that out. It will be happening tomorrow. 150 miles an hour in a golf cart. <clears throat> that strikes me as like a death wish right there. I don't know. Crazy. And finally, in the broken news this morning, this is our dumb criminal of the day. Comes from suburban Philadelphia, where a suspect wanted for shoplifting at a CVS pharmacy had to be rescued after getting stuck in a drain pipe during a foot pursuit on Sunday afternoon. <laughs> Local news reports are that the suspect was evading officers after stealing an estimated $500 worth of over the counter pain medications and things like Advil that he swiped off the shelves and then took off in Lower Marion Township. Pennsylvania officers were after the suspect when they saw him enter a drain pipe and (laughs) then he got stuck turning their pursuit into a rescue mission the suspect was found semi-conscious according to police and was taken to the hospital for treatment he is expected to make a full recovery when he will then face shoplifting charges (laughs) that escape attempt just didn't work out the way he expected it to there you go uh that is today's broken news report this update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service more or less of hancock county veteran services we now return you to your regularly scheduled programming and yet another major brand just announced is halting all social media advertising the two most overused and abused words in advertising are truth and trust 
They are the two most precious commodities for all brands, big and small. As an advertiser, you have to trust your partners to protect your brand's truth using the media consumer's trust. Radio, it's on. This message provided by WFIN. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. Whatever happened to the family dinner? Uh, I know this is something that uh, people have been lamenting for a, a number of years, but an interesting new survey of 2,000 Americans commissioned by the Honey Baked Ham Company shows that the average American today in 2022 shares just three meals a week with their loved ones. Just three meals a week. Now, that actually is not that many fewer than a generation ago. The average respondent says that when they were younger, they had four dinners a week with their family and two a week with friends or others outside their family circle. So kind of interesting. So it may not have uh, dropped off quite as much as what we think, because sometimes we remember with nostalgia Uh, Those great family meals, they didn't really, even a generation ago, happen as often as maybe they did in the days of Ozzie and Harriet. But still, we are apparently pining for the old days. Nearly half of those in the survey say a family dinner is a great way to connect with their loved ones. 46% say family mealtime makes for great memories. And again, I would say that 46% is low. I would think that most of us equate family mealtimes with great memories. 45% in the survey say eating dinner with their loved one is uh, eating dinner with their loved ones is a good way to preserve family tradition. So something to keep in mind as we head into back to school time. I know schedules get really, really hectic with all of the after school activities and things like that, but there is some value uh, to eating together as a family Family psychologists have said this for years and years and years, and I think it's something that we all inherently know, and maybe we try to do, obviously, maybe falling a little bit short, but if we can just add one meal a week to our routine, one family meal a week to our family routine, we'll be that much better, and maybe we'll put us on par with a generation ago, and then we can build from there. Just something to think about. Well, did you know that more than half of Americans either own or work for a small business? So with that in mind, we are joined by tech expert Mark Saltzman with some of his favorite tech tools to help small businesses thrive in the modern day. And uh, Mark, obviously, technology is critical uh, for every business, but perhaps even more so for small businesses who don't have big staff. They rely on technology to really do the work uh, sometimes of uh, what larger companies can afford an entire staff for. Yeah, great point, Chris. You know, first of all, thanks for having me. And you're right, I have partnered with some great brands today that would be perfect for small businesses so I'm excited to geek out with you in the next <laughs> couple of minutes. And, and you, you brought up a great point. Given the last 26 months, companies don't just want to survive, they want to thrive. And tech can be a very powerful and surprisingly inexpensive tool in your arsenal 
to give you, you know, to give you an edge. So uh, let's kind of uh, break this down uh, by in, in, in a number of different categories. For example, uh, you have a perfect example for a cost-effective security system for your business. Right. Yeah. So your listeners are probably familiar with the Ring mm-hmm. and how it makes neighborhoods safer. I have one. At, oh, I have well, one at my yeah. uh, on my home. Yeah. As do I. Yeah. And now there's Ring Alarm Pro, as the name suggests. It's designed more for small and medium businesses uh, at home, or it could be in a small office, a storefront, like a restaurant or a cafe or what have you. Uh, really, anywhere business is uh, conducted. It's a powerful yet affordable security solution that combines Ring Alarm with an Eero Wi-Fi 6 router. That's E-E-R-O. It's also owned by Amazon. And it gives you uh, 24-7 professional monitoring and video recording, along with 24-7 backup internet, should you need it. Uh, prices start at only $20 a month per location. So as I mentioned, pretty affordable. And you can even use the Ring app to see other compatible non-Ring cameras that you may own to access Ring security features all in one place. So super convenient. Uh, another category, and uh, every small business has uh, struggled with this, uh, the cost of uh, printing materials uh, for their business. Small businesses can certainly save money uh, on all of the uh, printing needs that they have. Yeah, you know, and just I can tell you as a business owner, what irks me is not just the cost of ink, but the fact that you often don't get a high yield out of them. Mm-hmm. Like it's a real temporary thing, but that's a thing of the past, thankfully, because of a product like the Canon Maxify GX6021. This is one of those mega tank printers, and that's the operative word, mega tank, because it's ideal for high volume and low cost printing. For example, not only is the GX6021 an all-in-one, like a printer, uh, copier, and scanner, but you can print, get this, up to 6,000 pages in black or up to 14,000 pages in color with one single set of ink. So it saves you money and time for not having to run out and, and buy ink and refill it so often. So I really like that. To me, you know, time is money. I hate being nickeled and dimed for, you know, pricey yeah. little ink cartridges that always seem to run out at the most inopportune time. <laughs> exactly. That is now done. Yeah. So this is a, a compact wireless all-in-one that can fit into any workspace, yet it has a really huge uh, paper uh, tray. It's got up to support for up to 350 sheets of paper at any one time. And it also lets you print, of course, from phones and tablets as well, which is becoming increasingly popular. And you can print on different media types. It doesn't have to be just plain, regular paper. And it supports multiple size options as well, even 47-inch long uh, signs that you can print from that one printer. That is uh, a great uh, a great tool for uh, modern businesses. And of course, uh, these days, you can't talk small business without talking about online tools, software, and such. And uh, you have some that are absolutely essential in this day and age. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. We just looked at hardware. Now it's a, a smart pivot to software. And smart software can help small businesses uh, because... It makes technology one less thing to worry about. They just, you know, companies today just want to focus on their business. They want, they don't want to wrestle with the technology. It's like, you know, when you drive a car to the corner store, you don't, you shouldn't have to understand how a combustion engine works. <laughs> you, know, you should, you just want to put your foot on the gas and yeah. go, right? Yeah. So it's the same with software. And thankfully, um, companies like Oracle get it. And now there's, you know, NetSuite by Oracle that does make things a lot more simple. 
Um, it includes everything. This software package gives you everything from financials to inventory management to e-commerce all in one place. So if you can imagine, I know this is radio, imagine you're looking at a, a, the software, which is like a, on, your, on your laptop or desktop, and you've got colorful charts and graphs that uh, all break it down for you to see what's happening you know, in your business at a glance. You can see what's working and what's not. So the software eliminates manual tasks that cut into performance and profitability, so you can make sure every dollar counts. And because all that data is in the cloud, stored off-site, NetSuite can adapt and scale as your business evolves too. And then finally, speaking of smart software, HelloSign is a flexible, intuitive, and secure electronic signature platform mm, built yeah. for small businesses. Yeah, you probably used it before. You, I just used it yesterday. Um, you know, because let's face it, the traditional pen and paper signature process exactly. is not convenient. Right. Yeah, or secure or easy to manage. It's uh, the company's owned by Dropbox. And HelloSign allows you to electronically request and add legally valid signatures to any document, you know, be it new hire agreements, loans, NDAs, and then easily and securely store them in Dropbox or HelloSign accounts or any other file storage of your choosing. It really is a breeze, and it's free to get started. And uh, that just modernizes uh, a business so much because, you know, if you're still sending paper uh, back and forth, uh, you know, with uh, to be signed and and sat back that just it it doesn't say modern business to a potential client so you know that's <laughs> yeah, it. it's cumbersome yeah, yeah. exactly uh again uh, tech expert mark saltzman uh, talking about some uh, great tools tech tools to help small businesses where do we get more information mark sure so if any of your listeners want to see these products in action they can head over to killerapps.com and you'll be able to see uh, all you know the, the canon printer the ring security system and then, of course, the NetSuite and HelloSign software. Mark, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. And thank you, Chris. Appreciate the time. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Once again, remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage, that, of course, goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, 2022 will be remembered as the Summer of Extremes, a reminder of why it's always important to be prepared, and that is yet another challenge facing disadvantaged communities. Until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.